0: scare you to sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. How are you this week? I hope you're happy that I have for you another dark reddit episode. I've been asked for another one for quite a while. Well, not quite a while. The last one didn't come out that long ago, you guys, (laughs) but I know you love them. And just a warning, this episode contains child death and talk of mental health issues including involuntary commitment to a mental health institution. You'll get context later if you decide to stick around, but if those are things that you need to skip, then by all means, please do, and I will see you next week. Before we dive in, I did want to mention that the Frankenstein series on Patreon has started back up. Well, I started it back up. It didn't just start back up, (laughs) and I've added the next two chapters. There should only be about two episodes left, so if you'd like to hear me read the entirety of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, then head over to Patreon. Uh, That could be on your spring-summer reading list, and you can listen to me read it to you. And then you can casually bring up in conversations with friends that actually Frankenstein was the monster, and he was very eloquent when he spoke, which... You know, If you've only seen movie versions, you probably don't know that. Let's start this dark reddit episode off with an odd entry from the subreddit AITA or Am I the Asshole? I remember when this particular post by user MorbidMommy11 went a little viral. I feel like it was on several websites, not just reddit like Twitter and Facebook and things. It was very chilling so chilling that some people were dubious as to how true it was, but isn't that how it always goes with Reddit or the internet in general? You can decide for yourself as I read you the post. Am I the asshole for banning my husband and father-in-law from the delivery room due to their intensely stressful slash creepy behavior during my pregnancy? A lot of context the character limit cuts off, but here's the gist. My husband and I are expecting our first child, which I knew would be a really sensitive issue as his own mother died in childbirth with him. We met with a marriage counselor to talk things through at the beginning, and he swears he's been seeing his own therapist twice a month throughout my pregnancy. I don't want to call him a liar, but I'm fairly sure he's either not going or not talking about the big issue. He and his father, a hugely active part of our lives, are completely convinced that I'm going to die in childbirth. They won't openly admit it, but their behavior has reached the point where it's constantly making me feel stressed and uncomfortable. When it was husband saying, please make sure your life insurance is up to date and I'd like you to meet with a lawyer and draft a will, I was like, that's kind of intense, but okay, if it makes you feel better. When husband asked me to go through all of my possessions and inventory, what I wanted to be saved for the baby versus what I would want to be returned to my family in the event of my death, I put my foot down and said absolutely not, too morbid, no way. My father-in-law, who lives a few blocks away and eats dinner with us two to four nights a week, got on my case about how I was making things difficult for my husband in the event that he will be a grieving widower with a newborn. I'm just going to add here that I've had a completely complication-free pregnancy and have no reason to think I will die screaming in the coming weeks. When I tell my husband this, he calls me paranoid. But I feel like my father-in-law wants me to die. His whole life identity for the past 35 years has been amazing single dad, never dated or had close friends or even hobbies really. And it seems like he's looking forward to be able to guide my husband through what he went through. At this point, I'd honestly be happy to never see my father-in-law again and I certainly don't want him in the delivery room, especially since he told me he was putting his foot down about me not being allowed to have an epidural or laughing gas. He's a commanding presence and I know that whatever he wants in the delivery room he will get. I know people will say, "Oh, L&D nurses would never let that happen." But you haven't met this man. My husband, in addition to backing his dad on everything, acts like my due date is my death date and has completely pulled away from me. Every minute with him is morbid, stressful, and a reminder that our marriage seems to be crumbling. No matter how many times I tell him his behavior makes me stressed and upset, it's just getting worse and I do not want it around me while I'm concentrating on giving birth. Do I owe it to my husband to let him stress and upset me during labor? Is his presence at the birth more important than a safe and healthy delivery? My therapist says no, but this whole thing has been so weird. I feel like I need some outside perspective. Of course, a lot of commenters immediately said, no, you are not the asshole. Also, your father-in-law wants to murder you, or at least wants you dead. That's what the gist of most of the comments were anyway, but there were comments such as this one with a whopping 2,370 downvotes. This is the saddest thing I've read in a while. I get that your pregnancy hasn't had any complications, but you are silly if you think emergencies can't happen unexpectedly in the delivery room. This is coming from someone who doesn't even have PTSD from a death during birth. Imagine the devastation you would have went through and then imagine the possibility of your child having to endure the same. Of course your father-in-law is trying to mitigate any additional distress on his son. He is probably desperate for it not to end up the same way and trying everything in his power to have a safety net in place for him. You have no idea what they went through, and I don't know if it's that you're too close to the situation, but your post comes off as super insensitive to me. And just because you don't see your husband making progress doesn't mean he isn't or that he's not trying. I doubt this is something easily navigated for him. Not the asshole for dictating what happens during your medical procedures, but girl, you've got to try to be a bit more sympathetic. And I bet enveloping them in love and reassurance would go a hell of a lot further in calming their overreactions than butting against them. These boys are fucking terrified right now. I know, you're rolling your eyes too. OP only answered two people, and this was one of them. She said... I just, dot dot dot, feel like I've been as understanding as possible. I scheduled marriage counseling to talk through things when I got pregnant, wanted to keep going, but husband insisted he needed to work things through alone with his own therapist and I didn't want to push the issue. I honestly don't know if I could be more sensitive without ramping up my own stress level. I caved and did the terminally ill parent recording videos for after their death thing, The issue was the big impetus for me making this post was my father-in-law swinging by the house to help me pack up all my non-maternity clothes and take them to our storage unit. I was like, what the fuck? No, I'll need those soon. I'm active and healthy and relatively close to my pre-pregnancy size. He called me insensitive for not making things as easy as possible on my husband husband came home, saw that my clothes were still in the closet and got upset with me because we need to be prepared. Genuinely, am I being insensitive here for refusing to take part in the plans for my own death? Should I be supporting my husband by playing along? He won't discuss the stress-slash-PTSD thing with me because he says he's working through it with his therapist and won't talk about anything they discuss." Is there anything I'm not seeing here that I can do to support my husband that doesn't involve me actively planning to die screaming from a preventable hemorrhage? I think those were all great points. And the other comment she replied to was, not the asshole. You and your husband might need to go back to counseling to discuss all of this, especially if your father-in-law saying he won't allow you to get an epidural? What the fuck? I've had two epidurals. They were wonderful. The second time I went from dry heaving and writhing around in pain to actually being able to be calm and present and focus on my breathing during labor. It is absolutely crazy to me that your father-in-law thinks he would be invited into the delivery room to begin with. I see this on r slash bumps and just no mother-in-law all the time too. Why on earth do so many in-laws parents think birth is a spectator sport? I'm extremely close with my mom, and I did not want her to see me give birth. Please keep talking about this with your therapist, at least. I'm so sorry they're doing this to you during what should be a happy and exciting time. It's a shame they are letting their inability to deal with their past trauma ruin this for you. Morbid Mommy said, Yeah, it's weird as fuck. Like I said, I've always felt like he resented me a little for taking my husband from him. But we still got on really well. I've been completely unprepared for this because the way he treats me now is just unimaginably cold and weird and controlling. He was never like this before I got pregnant. When we got into it about the epidural slash laughing gas, he told me that the only important part of delivery is a healthy baby. That medical intervention for the mother is inherently bad for the baby, and when I said my comfort is an important aspect of the birth, he told me, your comfort in this process is irrelevant. So yeah, we're not coming back from that. Our relationship is completely done. There was no solution after this. I hope Morbid Mommy is doing well, somewhere safe with her baby and far away from any weird domineering men who think life is a Disney movie where the mom always dies. This next post was originally posted in the subreddit AskReddit and was then reposted to Unsolved Mysteries where it was also removed. It was removed from both of them. I believe the AskReddit mod said it had too much identifying information And Unsolved Mystery said it didn't count as an unsolved mystery. But I disagree. I think you will too when you hear it. Another warning before we begin this has to do with a child's death. And the original post contained some language that is very outdated and not politically correct. So if that is something that is going to upset you, then I bid you farewell, have a lovely rest of your day, and I will see you next week. And I mean that earnestly. Do whatever you need to do to protect your brain. So the original question on Ask reddit it was posted six years ago, and the question was, to those of you who have accidentally killed someone, what went wrong? And user, I want to say Barkeology, had to get this off their chest. This still haunts me to this day. As kids, we had a hideout in this dirt cliff slash cove. This is the best approximation I can find on Google, only three times taller and probably ten times as wide. There was a neighborhood kid who, in hindsight, was probably mentally handicapped in some way, but to us, he was just the weird slash creepy kid. This was the 80s, and we weren't exactly raised PC. PC. Three of us were headed to our base and found creepy kids sitting at the top of our guard chair. We yelled at him to get out and he said something like, make me and started lobbing dirt clods and sticks down at us. We all ran around the side to make our way up. It gets pretty fuzzy here, but all I remember is he fell. I still remember the sound. When we got back down to check on him, He was in a very awkward position with blood coming out of his mouth. We all just freaked out and ran home and, as far as I know, no one has spoken a word of this to anyone. We didn't go back for over a month and never said a word of it between us. Again, this was the 80s, so media wasn't like today. Chances are it got a small article in the newspaper B section, missing mentally disabled child found dead after a fall or something like that. One person asked when the kid's body had been found, and Barkeology replied, No idea. We were kids, maybe 10 to 12-ish, so we didn't exactly watch the news or read the paper. Even if our parents knew, I don't think they would have mentioned it to us at that age. Even though he was fairly well known around the neighborhood, he went to a different school, so it was never brought up there. I did ask my parents maybe 10 years ago if they remembered him, and they said something along the lines of, yeah, didn't he go missing? And that's about as far as I wanted to push it. Well, after that, Reddit put on their sleuth hats and someone replied, Was it Scott Kleeschult? He went missing in 1988 in St. Charles, Missouri. Correct. This would have made you around 10 to 11 at the time he went missing. He would have been 9. Then they linked to a missing person website and an article on Scott, both of which will be um, in my sources, linked in the show notes. An excerpt from the article says, Scott was last seen not far from his home in the 3300 block of Leverins Drive, walking near a wooded area known as The Trails. It was just before a fierce thunderstorm swept through the area. As long as six weeks after his disappearance, police conducted large-scale searches of the area near Scott's home. The searches involved digging at a labyrinth of caves in the wooded hillside where Scott was known to play with other neighborhood children. They also linked the Charlie Project, which is a great website, but the link to that particular person is now dead. But the poster continued. I don't know if it is this kid. If it were him and the story is what you said, it seems likely his body would have been found. A corpse of a nine year old at the bottom of some land formation can get washed away pretty easily in a storm, however. If it is or isn't him, you need to talk to your local PD. A lot of commenters agreed across several subreddits where this was reposted. They thought OP should at least tell the authorities what happened and maybe provide the family with some closure, but archaeology never replied to anyone suggesting he do that. Again, I'll post those links on the off chance that maybe someone out there knows something about the day Scott went missing and is willing to come forward. One of the links even has him age progress to the age of 32. He went missing in 1988, in June. So... Check those out if you are from that area in Missouri, maybe, or were in the 80s. I don't know. Just trying to help it all. Before we get into our last story, let's listen to some ads to keep Shelby clothed and fed, shall we? And we're back. As I said, this is our last entry, and this is one I hadn't heard about before researching for this episode, which is surprising because I thought I knew all the Reddit horror. So, this was posted three years ago from a throwaway account in the subreddit Relationship Advice. I know, some of you are already squirming because this is where the infamous Jason from Hell tragedy began from our first installment of Dark Reddit. If Have you haven't heard that, just be warned very 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 sad so look marriage is hard life is hard so I will let this throwaway account tell their story they titled it wife started to hate me and our kids out of a sudden and now she left us hi this is my first time posting and I'm not an English native speaker I'm also sorry for my mess of a text, but I'm just at the end mentally. My 38-year-old male, wife, 36-year-old female, started to become increasingly hostile towards me, the kids, and her own parents. Our kids are 12, 9, and 4 years old. I first started to notice it around one week ago when our 12-year-old tripped while playing and fell on her face. I ran to reassure she was okay, but my wife didn't really bother. She just sat on the bench and watched me with our daughter. That evening, I asked her why she showed no reaction, and she shrugged it off and told me that I looked after her, so it's okay. That's not her normal behavior at all, and if that had happened a couple months ago, she would have dropped everything and immediately looked after our daughter. A day after that incident, we ate dinner and the 9-year-old asked her to pass him the ketchup. She didn't pass it, but responded with, Why do you want to eat our ketchup? That caught me off guard and I was extremely baffled. He asked if it isn't also his ketchup, but she insisted that it's hers and her family's ketchup. I thought she was making a joke, but she looked extremely stern and sincere. So I gave him the catch-up. The rest of the day was uneventful, but she kept looking at me and the kids in this, I really don't know, aggressive fashion, as if we were a threat to her. During the last week, I received only one kiss, not a single hug, or any other kind of affection, and even if she sometimes smiles at me, it just looks extremely forced. Sometimes she just looks at me as if she searches something. Obviously, I asked her a couple times if something was wrong, but she always denied it and said everything is fine. The problem is, if she was only hostile towards me, I could somewhat in some way understand it. Maybe I annoy her. Maybe she doesn't love me anymore, or thinks I'm cheating, or I don't fucking know but she also seems to hate, or at least be neutral towards the children. When they talk about school, she doesn't care. When they have problems, she doesn't care. She doesn't tuck them in at night, and I tell our kids that she's just in a bad mood and has a lot on her plate, but obviously they know as sure as I do that something isn't right. It really got out of hand when two days ago, Her mother called me, asking me if something is wrong with her daughter. Apparently she doesn't, or at least only briefly answers her texts and doesn't want to meet her anymore. She told me that my wife told her that she isn't her real mother, which of course is something horrible to say and we both don't know why she said it or what exactly it meant. When she asked my wife why she just said that, she excused herself and said it was a joke. She never, or at least rarely, had an argument with her mom. We all had a great relationship up to this week. I just can't in any way possible find out what changed. It kept me up at night because my wife just feels like a different person. Now I thought about mental illness, maybe some form of early Alzheimer's, but it doesn't seem to fit her behavior. She had a depression when she was younger, but that's 10 years ago. She was as lovely as one can be, not even two weeks ago. There are a lot of other instances of her behavior, but I don't have the energy to write it down now. That brings me to yesterday. I sat her down and asked her if something is wrong, and I need an answer now, or otherwise we will see a psychiatrist. She started telling me that everything was fine, and she just has to act like she always does. That sentence made me feel sick to my stomach, because I didn't know what it meant. Is she seeing someone? Is someone fucking holding her hostage, or what is happening? I asked her what she meant, but she just brushed it off again, saying that she is okay. I told her that we are seeing a psychologist, and she started screaming at me that I can't make her. I insisted so she threw a cup at me, got up, and told me that she wants her real family back. I don't fucking know what that means. We didn't change anything. Everything is as it was a month ago. She grabbed her purse and ran out of the house. She returned a couple hours later and told me she is sorry for how she acted. She did a complete 360 and said everything is good now. She kissed me and told me she will explain it tomorrow, but she's just tired now. When we got to bed later, she kept looking at me as if I am a stranger, but I was also extremely exhausted from everything and just fell asleep. It's morning now, and she left the house. I can't find her, and it looks like she packed some stuff of hers. Some jackets, her purse, two pairs of shoes, I called her parents, her friends, everyone she knows, but they all haven't seen her. Her friends told me all that they haven't had contact with her in the last week. Should I call the police now? Have some of you experienced something similar? I just don't know what to do. I have never felt this helpless. The top comment is from another throwaway account who immediately suggested this advice. Psych nurse here, you need to look up Capgris delusion. This is what it sounds like is happening. Call police now, she may be in danger. Several others suggested the same. For some clarity, here is the definition of Capgris delusion from Healthline.com. Capgris syndrome is a psychological condition. It is also known as imposter syndrome or Capgras delusion. People who experience this syndrome will have an irrational belief that someone they know or recognize has been replaced by an imposter. OP quickly updated. Edit. I called the police a couple minutes after the first person here told me to. The police responded and they took my story very seriously and said they will search for her immediately. I told them a couple places she might be. I waited at home and distracted the children saying that their mom took some time for herself. Her parents are at my house and play with the children. They are just as destroyed and unnerved as me. They have found my wife an hour ago at the local park, five hours after they started searching for her. It didn't look like she was fleeing or in a hurry, but just waiting, sitting on a bench. They told me, however, that she was extremely hostile towards the police and punched an officer. She is now in a psychiatric clinic, but I am not allowed to meet her nor anyone else. Doctors are caring for her and will call me as soon as they know more. Thanks for everyone that replied. I am extremely worried and I am reading into all the mental illnesses you have posted. I just hope it is something they can cure quickly. I still feel like I am in a bad dream. Three days later, OP updated again in a second post. A lot of people seem to care, and I got a ton of encouraging messages, so I will post an update for you. We live in Northern Europe, for those that asked. Thanks for everyone that gave me their advice. A lot of you have assumed schizophrenia or the rare Capgris delusion. Some of you assumed she was cheating, which is something I won't even address. Thinking about it, Capgris really fitted the symptoms, but I just couldn't accept that, still hoping she was somehow fucking with us or that it was something mild and temporary and I just overreacted. After they took her in, I drove to the mental institute to give an exact explanation of what happened in the last week. The psychiatrist assumed some sort of schizophrenia. They told me they will look after her and I should go home to my children. I felt like I was drunk the entire time. I couldn't close a single eye at night. The psychiatrist called me yesterday evening and asked me to come to her office. I left my children with their grandparents and drove for what felt like an eternity. She told me straight up that she strongly assumes that it's Capgris. She never saw a case of Capgris before, but it fits everything she gathered. She explained to me how the past two days went down. My wife arrived there being extremely hostile. She was put in a safe room where she couldn't hurt herself. She calmed down after a couple of hours and the psychiatrist was able to talk to her. The good news was that she quickly opened up and explained to her what she thinks. She knows that her family and most of her friends have been swapped by clones. She assumed that we, the clones, have sent police officers to get her and that she was scared of what we might do to her. She flew in the first place because she felt like we might attack her, but mostly to get some space. She still isn't sure if the clones are malicious or not. That explains why she was distrusting me and always searched for some signs in me and the kids. My wife said that we act exactly like the real ones and how perfect our disguise was but she knew that we aren't real because she didn't feel any love towards me or the kids or her own parents. Writing this down feels like a lance piercing through my chest. She also told her how she was trying to hide her distrust of us because she couldn't be sure if we know that she knows that we aren't the real we. Her delusion that we've been swapped came to her one day before I noticed it, 10 days ago. She woke up, looked at me, and knew I wasn't the same anymore. Not the real one. Same with the kids, her parents, and her friends. She hadn't had those thoughts before. She asked the psychiatrist if she knew who swapped us, or why it happened, or if this happens often. She tried to avoid answering her questions because she wasn't sure how my wife would react if she gave in or took her out of her delusion. My wife asked her when she can get out again. The psychiatrist asked her if she wants to get out, and she answered that she's okay being here. It gives her some comfort being with professionals, and she now has time to think. It helps that my wife is a nurse, and that she respects doctors a lot. The psychiatrist explains to me how they will try to slowly deconstruct her delusion and that it can take a short or a very long time until she recovers. She explains to me that it's possible that she might never truly recover. But the fact that she opened up about it and doesn't necessarily feel scared is a good sign. I'm still not allowed to see her as it could make her panic. She appears to be completely clear of mind about everything else. She knows names, dates, places, facts, and everything she knew before. Only. The thought that we aren't the real ones is now a fact to her. Now I wait till they have some good or bad news of how she develops. Writing all this down really helped me. I'm trying to wrap my head around the situation and I'm mostly scared for her and the children. I can't hide how distressed I am and that my wife isn't at home, so I explain to them that she is in a mental hospital and she has to recover. The four-year-old doesn't really understand, but the other two took it surprisingly well. It helps that they heard all those morbid stories my wife told them from the hospital, I guess. They asked me when they can see her, and I told her that I don't know, but I hope it will be soon. I haven't felt this empty, and I don't know if I should be sad or angry. Fuck. Thanks to everyone here that helped me. I feel like I'm in a waiting room at the dentist, it's so surreal. I feel better knowing what the problem is, but worse not knowing when it ends." The replies to this were so kind, and one person even had an experience with this exact syndrome and had some very encouraging words for OP. I felt like I was reading my husband's post. I went through something very similar back in March. was hospitalized for 10 days. It is like living in a psychological thriller. My heart truly aches for you and your family. I know my husband had a lot of the same emotions you were having. Since March, I've returned to work, have been taking excellent care of myself and my children. I make sure I never miss my medication or an appointment with my psychiatrist. Life is good and back to normal. This is the first time I've shared any of my story. I just wanted to give you some hope. Much love to you all. And then that person's husband replied. Husband here, OP, let me start by saying it does get better. It's truly fucking scary not knowing what is going on in your partner's head. A lot of what you are describing is very similar to what she and I went through. She was convinced that I was me from an alternate earth, and that I came through a portal she had opened, and that our entire family, including parents and our kids, were also from this alternate earth. After a brief stay at the hospital, she came out on the other side, completely back to normal. It's amazing what some rest and a solid medication regimen can do for mental health. She and I have spent a lot of time talking about everything, And all I can say is to make sure that you are there for her, as well as taking care of yourself. No matter how scary this is for you right now, she firmly believes that her family has been replaced and is out to get her. This will go away, but that fear takes a long time to heal from. As much as she needs help, so do you. Rely on your family and friends and make sure you take time to keep your head on straight and don't be afraid to talk to a professional about this yourself. You are not alone in this. The specific diagnosis may be rare, but delusions in psychiatric diseases are not. Take care of your family and things will get better. I thought that was beautiful. It, absolutely beautiful. Gave me chills the first time I read just this hope. That they were giving this person, and then someone else had some excellent advice. Hey, OP, I had to study Capgras syndrome a little for an exam a couple of weeks ago. One thing that stood out to me: Hirstein and Ramachandran, 1997, offer support. Their patient claimed his parents were imposters when he spoke to them in person, but treated them as his real parents when he spoke to them on the telephone consistent with the delusion resulting from discrepant visual information. Young, 2000. If they will approve it, see if you can start gradually with phone calls. It stood out to me as the best avenue for initial treatment. I wish you and your family all the best. Edit. I don't feel comfortable answering any more questions in OP's thread. He's going through enough and should only listen to the doctors. All that sounded like great advice to me, especially the part about not listening to all the comments because there's a reason I didn't read a bunch of them. Some of the advice they were giving, they went it went a little off the rails in the comments. Um, so um, basically, I, I can't imagine how terrifying it must feel to truly believe that your loved ones aren't really them. I've been on both sides of scary psychological crises, and let me tell you, don't be afraid or embarrassed to seek out help. Clearly in this situation, uh, his wife didn't even realize that it was a mental health problem. She genuinely believed that her family had been replaced. So, on the other side, um, you know, if you feel like your loved one needs help, feel free. Like, If you really, truly love them, maybe you know, there are gentle ways and therapy helps with that too. Therapy helps with ways to confront other mental health, you know, in a, in a helpful way. I know it can feel like a huge hurdle to leap over. I just started dealing with a whole lot of overdue mental shit this past December and it's not easy. It's not, but you're stronger than you think you are. You really are. One of my favorite podcasters, Marcus Parks, has this saying, and it's, Mental illness is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. And with that, the show is over. Go home. Oh, wait. Not yet. I've got to close it out. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dark Reddit. It got dark in different ways. Um, I know sometimes it's dark in, like, a spooky way, and then sometimes I go full-on just bummer dark. Um, So... Yeah, I feel like this was mostly bummer dark, and I apologize for that. Um, I don't know where my head's at this week. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me as a person, um, but I hope you enjoyed it. You can follow the show. Um, by the way, I've started a link tree, and if you go to the show notes, if you just click on the link tree link, it'll take you to uh, a link tree. If you don't know what a link tree is, it's basically, it'll pop up on your phone or your desktop or wherever, and it'll have links to all the places my social media my merch my patreon Um, it'll you can click on it and send an email Uh, there's an email link there's um, everything you need for the show the website everything so that's what's in the show notes now if you've noticed it's a little different it's just so also so I can add more easily add my sound effects and music Um, because Apple made it standard that you can only have four thousand characters in the show notes. And so everybody else went around along with that. And so now it's harder for me to correctly, um, give credit to all of my people. Don't worry. I always have, I find ways around it, even if it's sacrificing my own links to give credit where credit is due, but it has been difficult. So I have a link tree now, and I think it's going to be easier for you all too. Um, again, if there will be also be a link in there that says sources takes you to my website, where all the sources are, and you can scroll down There's sources for, basically any of the episodes where I reference maybe true things or like the dark Reddit where I will put links so you can go read for yourself, um, those Reddit posts or, um, the additional links like the missing person from the middle story. So yeah. Um, what else, what else, what else, what else? I made a chocolate cake this week. I made Tasty's chocolate cake specifically, and I have heard people rave about it. It was a very fancy, just so you know, in case you go to make this cake, because it's very involved. It was the messiest recipe I've ever made in my life. It's um a lot of, it's got like stout. Oh, also it does have alcohol in it. Um, it, Of course it cooks out, but you know, I know some people don't want to be anywhere near that. And that's totally understandable. Um, It has like a stout like Guinness in it um and espresso and dark chocolate. It's very rich. It's, it was, my husband loved it. I think a lot of you would love it and so many people rave about it but it was so rich it was like I this was the best uh, example I could, I could give was when we were eating it last night I was like if this was a pedophore which I don't think I pronounced that right those little tiny tea cakes you know you know the little ones you see them at Christmas a lot in America I think maybe other places you see them more often but in, in America at least where I'm from I feel like I mainly see them at Christmas and never any other time um, but it's like a, if it was like a petty 4 I'd take a bite and be like, oh my God, I wish I could have 10 of those, but I don't really want 10 of them. And the chef knows that. And that's why they only gave me one. And, um, it's just so rich. You can't eat. I couldn't eat a whole slice of it. It was so rich, but it tasted very fancy. If you got, if I got this at a fancy restaurant, I'd be like, yes, that is what I paid for. I paid for this fancy dessert. Cause it's a very, if you want to make something that tastes like, a professional pastry chef made it for someone's birthday, then I recommend it. Um, just very, like everyone needs like a half of a slice. It, they really do. Unless I'm just a baby and chocolate is too overpowering for me, I guess. I don't know. Um, so yeah. Also you don't really taste the, uh, same as it has espresso in it too. Um, espresso powder, you know, I, I, some people don't realize the rules of baking. You usually put like, I always put espresso, into my chocolate, you don't taste espresso at the end, unless you put like a lot in on purpose to make it taste like a, like a mocha type cake. It just elevates the chocolate taste, elevates. So does the stout just elevated the chocolate. And it was the chocolatiest chocolate cake I've ever tasted in my whole life. It's in my freezer right now. Um, so come on over, have a slice. Okay. So the next thing that is going to be coming out, oh yeah, Frankenstein, it's on Patreon. Um, I'm going to be doing a guided nightmare, but I'm going to be doing something a little different. I think what I'm going to do, well, this is this is what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to have a an audio version for all of you lovely listeners out there right now. But I'm also going to have a partial, well, not partial, but it's going to be a video version. So I think it's going to be the same, 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 same. Um, but there is going to be a video version and audio version. And I want to kind of test that out with my guided nightmares. So basically what I'm looking what I'm thinking about is the beginning the intro part will be me in the video version obviously um talking you through the, <laughs> all the breathing stuff and all that fun stuff um and then it's going to go into just some like kind of visualizations that represent the um guided nightmare um not necessarily like acted out or filmed completely accurately. Cause I'm not there yet. My skills are not there yet. Um, but I thought it'd be fun to have. I, I realize a lot of the ASMR I listen to has a, it's usually on video and, um, not that that's necessarily like just ASMR, but I feel like sometimes it's nice to have just audio and you're going to sleep, but sometimes it's nice to have video too. Just relax, sit there, have it on, have some beautiful visuals going on. Along with the voice that you love. That was not me like tooting my own horn. I'm talking about the voices that I love on the other channels. Um, um, uh, Yeah. So I think that's going to be interesting. I just wanted to let you all know um, when they do come out in case I can't, because I don't like making announcements within the guided nightmares. It ruins, you know, things. So I think what I, I I wanted to let you know when it comes out, if you see both of them, um, they are going to be the same. So if you want to li- watch one and listen to the other, do both. That's great. But also if you like, for some reason, don't have YouTube, you're not missing out like on the audio. It's the same audio. So yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I think that's it. Um, I'm going to do Patreon shout outs next week. I don't have it pulled up on my computer right now. And I don't remember where I left off last week. And it's, it's 1030 and I haven't eaten since like breakfast and I'm, I'm really hungry. So I'm just going to go and I'll do Patreon shout outs next week, but I promise I will. Um, yeah, I love you. It's getting hot outside. So that means more water, not just drink water, drink more water. Okay. Listen to your body. It'll tell you when it's thirsty. I promise. I don't actually, I don't promise. I don't, someone's going to come at me and be like, my body never told me I was thirsty. And then I ended up in the ER and I'm going to be responsible for that. And I can't be, did you just hear? Oh, I don't know if it picked it up. My stomach just growled so loud. If that was picked up, I apologize. (laughs) Okay. I need to go. My body is literally like, bitch, let's go. All right. I love you. Go drink water, go get some sleep and sweet dreams.